New York, big city of dreams. I'm coming, coming, I'm coming straight out. New York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? This is Jealous from Nick of Time Show. Here, give you that Knicks talk just in the nick of time. And it's time to talk to you about some Knicks news and some Knicks updates. And we're also going to talk about, you know what it is, Knicks players and how we foresee them fitting in with the Knicks in the very near future. And we're going to talk about it all. But before I talk about it, first and foremost, let me introduce you to my guys. All right. First and foremost, I'm gonna introduce you to my guy, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Brian G's in the building. Looking forward to tonight's podcast and talk about some more players in Knicks basketball. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And also, shout out to my guy, the rookie of KLT squad, my man, who writes for Posting, Toasting, and Deadspin, Lee. What's going on, Lee? What's up, y'all? Free my man, Emu Dota, man. Something's doing it wrong. I heard it on Bantam for a whole year. Kind of a niche. You can join our bench, man. Eventually become our head coach. <laughs> man, that's a whole nother topic. I'm not even going to touch that one right oh, now. Man. <laughs> because, man, there's a lot to get to. But, man, this has been an eventful week. And you mentioned it behind the scenes, Lee. It's been probably one of the most eventful last few weeks in the NBA between the email you do good stuff. And and the uh, Phoenix Suns saga and everything all going together. But yeah, we want to talk about it. and shout out to my guy Raw. Raw's supposed to be here today, but you know things happen sometimes. I probably got caught up at work or something. But shout out to my guy Roy Raw, and uh, hope to see you next show Raw. So let's get to it. All right. Shout out to the goat Ian Begley, who dropped a couple of articles recently. And one of those articles mentioned Cam Reddish. And as you know, we traded for Cam Reddish last season. We traded Kevin Knox and a heavily protected, because that stuff matters now, a heavily protected first round pick for Cam Reddish, a guy who's who uh, supposedly has all-star potential. He's an athletic wing. Something that we've been missing, a long ass wedding wing who is 6'8 with a seven foot wingspan and defensive potential. And now he's now on a New York Knicks squad, but he hasn't played. He has not played that much as of yet due to injuries and the depth of this Knicks team. But Ian Begley reported earlier that, um, his rehab has gone well, and people have seen him in the off-season workouts and say that the 23-year-old has looked phenomenal over the summer, early fall, which is great news for us um, because we need that man to challenge Evan Fournier for a spot. I just challenge for a spot in general. But also, I read something that was pretty interesting that Ian wrote, and this was when the Donovan Mitchell trade saga was happening. Um, there was a scenario that was going around along with uh, the Knicks front office. And the scenario was 
uh, it was discussed internally that uh, involving uh, moving RJ Barrett to shooting guard and Cam Reddish to small forward. And this is half. And this is and this is pertaining to the fact. This is only if you know trades went down. But this kind of shows you what the front office is thinking long term. You know, so obviously Cam is in the plan. So my thing is, can Cam actually win a spot in the rotation? And can this new improved Cam challenge Evan Fournier or even Quentin Grimes for a spot? Spot Lee, I want to start with you, Lee. Yeah, let me know what do you see from Cam. I think Quentin Grimes is going to be the starter at a train camp. I think obviously he was deemed the untouchable piece during those Donovan Mitchell trade discussions. I think Thibodeau obviously has a liking to him and the defensive intensity that he brings on the court. I think it's going to be Cam Reddish, his spot to lose. Cam Reddish is really going to be the one fighting with Fournier for minutes. And I'm not super enthusiastic about Cam Reddish eventually becoming a starter. I mean, as we said in previous podcast episodes, our preference would always be for Reddish because of his offensive skill set, you know, his his size, his length. But I think the reality of it is Grimes is a better fitness to Brunson in the backcourt because of his defensive abilities, his height and size and three-point shot. Um, Reddish really just needs to increase that three-point percentage, 25.8%, and don't cut it. You're not going to get minutes in Thibs' rotations, and you shouldn't get minutes in Thibs' rotations shooting below 30% from three. So he's got to improve in those regards to earn those minutes, but he has a chance to fight off the bench for him. Yeah, here's the thing. Reddish, he's in a conundrum right now where Evan Fournier shoots better than he does, and Quentin Grimes plays more defense and more consistent defense than he does over season. So for him... To really challenge for a spot in Tibbs' rotation, he has to improve in both of those areas. I feel like Cam Reddish really should look to be a three and D guy, um, and grow his game out that way. And I agree with you, Lee. I know a lot of people want to see RJ and Cam Reddish together with Brunson mm-hmm. with Julius Randle, and they imagine this big All Star lineup of long guys who are switchable and can do amazing things but for me i personally think cam reddish's ability to shine will be highlighted a lot more in that second unit to me where there's gonna be less competition for the ball uh and more opportunity to take over the game when we have derrick rose over there who can who's gonna be looking for him a little bit more um you know quickly can shoot a little bit he's going to take his fair share of shots, but he has a better chance to get the ball with that unit than I think he does with Julius Randle, high usage, RJ Barrett, high usage, and Jalen Brunson, also high usage. I feel like he can kind of get lost and he's stuck in the corner. Um, But yeah, what do you think about uh, the things that we just talked about, Ryan, about possibility of him coming off the bench or even challenging for a spot in the Knicks rotation? Cam Reddish is one of those players where you watch him play and you see the potential that that he possibly can grow into if given the playing time. But at the same time, you have to look at the minutes that Thibs gives to certain players. And then on top of that, you have to look at the summer league as well and see who's shining the summer league and 
because Cam Reddish barely got any time since he's been in New York. With the way Grimes has performed in summer league, clearly he has jumped over Cam Reddish. Maybe if Grimes never played in summer league, maybe you maybe you could say that there's possibly a a fight there. But Grimes clearly blew away any type of competition there was for that starting position in the starting lineup with his with the, with his performance in the summer league. And you know, like Lee said, he's gonna have to fight with guys like Fournier, someone who shoots better than him. He's gonna have to fight with guys like um, who who am I forgetting right now? Um, Fournier, uh, Grimes. Yeah, Fournier. Yeah, Grimes. That Grimes, who plays better defense as well. So honestly, I can't see him getting many minutes, especially in this rotation. You know, I think the Knicks were probably better off trying to see if they can move him, possibly, to see if they can bring in an extra pick or whatever the case may be. But he's gonna have to he's gonna have a fight in his hands. He's not gonna get playing time easily. He's definitely going to have to show Thibs and the and the coaching staff what he can do and that he's deserving of those minutes. But at the moment it's gonna be tough for him. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely gonna be tough for the guy. And uh I'll say this. He has the tools. He has the tools. A focused cam can be dangerous. We've seen glimpses of him in the playoffs a few seasons ago when he came back versus the Brooklyn Nets and um, shot a bunch of threes and, and was playing and was the best defender uh, on Allen Hogg's team. We saw him um, block Chris Middleton. We've seen Cam do some amazing things. And he's actually done certain things with the Knicks playing well. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna read off some stats. Um, as a spot up shooter, 80th percentile as a spot up shooter. For for him to get into the rotation, I think he should lean on that spot up shooting, and he'll be able to contend and fight for a spot. Right. Um, also, he was a. Hey, this steal rate is very high. Very, very high. I'm going to go to clean the glass in a second. But he's in a 97th percentile when it comes to steal percentage. Um, and he's in the 95th percentile when it comes to pick and roll ball, on ball defense. So there is a lot of value with Cam using his length on the defensive end. You know what I mean? He just has to, to kind of short some other stuff. He has to show up the, his mid-range game where um, he didn't shoot it that well with the Hawks, but shot a lot better with the Knicks. Um, and he has to get rid of better shooting off the dribble in general. And, you know, clean up some ISO stuff. You know what I mean? He has to clean up some of the ISO stuff because all of his isolation play has not translated for Cam as of yet lower percentile isolation play which is why i feel like for this season in particular if he leans in on his wingspan and leans in on his spot up shooting and maybe and you know go to the rim because he's probably one of our athletic wings and he's been finishing with ease at a decent rate i think he can challenge but he has to has to has to be committed and this is the year, contract year, when guys are committed. So I expect 
for when Cam does get into the game that he will have a hundred percent effort. All right. A hundred percent effort. So, I mean, I'm kind of with you guys. I'm, I'm worried about Cam. I'm definitely worried about Cam, but dude is six, eight, seven for wingspan, man. He, he can challenge at least on the defensive end with, uh, for Evan Fournier. And that's where, and Tibbs loves defense. So he has a shot, but he really has to buckle down. Yeah, he does have a shot, but you know, the main issue with Cam is just consistency. You yeah. know, like, you know, like one game he'll play great on defense and he'll provide, and he'll provide a spark on offense. But in another game, you know, he'll show lackluster effort and, not be that effective on offense, you know, so it's his, if he can find a way to be consistent where he provides that good defensive effort every night and on top of that provide that offensive, offensive spark every night, then no question about it. Cam would get playing time. It's just a consistency. And I just think at the moment, when you look at the guys he's going up against, at least with Fournier, you know, Fournier is going to give you something consistent offensively. He's going to knock in the three-point shot. That's what he does well. At least with Grimes, you know, consistently he's going to provide that defense. He's going to provide perimeter defense on a consistent basis every night. Right. So if he wants to get ahead of, like, any of those players, he has to show that consistency. Yeah, it's it's going to be tough for him to, to gain that when he's only getting 14 minutes a game, too. I think that's the variable that's the most undetermined is Thibodeau's leash on him. You know, th- th- he is in the same camp that Obi is in terms of – it's pretty short. One missed defensive rotation, you know, two or three missed threes in a row. That's where Thib starts having a really low tolerance for Reddish's minutes on the court. So a lot of it also is based on Thibodeau needing to evolve his game plan and extend his rotation that includes Cam to begin with. He, he wasn't, all reports have said he wasn't for a trade that uh, Leon Rose did to do at that draft pick for Cam Reddish. He didn't see Cam Reddish as the type of player he wanted to put in his rotation. And the drop in minutes showed that it was over a, a 10 minute drop from his time to Atlanta to once he arrived in New York. So he has to prove that in train camp. It's going to be really imperative for him to, like you guys said, to improve his defensive commitment, but also to show if he's been working on his three ball and clean up some of his handle for off the dribble scoring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, I've seen some rumblings. I think the Knicks are still trying to make trades or talking about trades. I've seen I think I saw Ian mention that. I'm still not sure how likely that is that something someone might be traded because it's, it's so late in the season. But um, I I will keep an eye on it. I will keep an eye on it because listen, in the event that Cam does win a spot in the rotation and actually does start to hit his threes out eye clip, does start to get to the rim, does do that pick and roll elite defense on a more consistent basis. Because I, I, I do feel like the defense event he's going to pick up because, you know, money's on the line. Money's on the line. These kids play when the money's on the line. So I do expect the challenge, at least in training camp. But let's say all goes well. Then I'm looking at the trade deadline. I'm looking at these players. I'm looking at Evan Fournier. And I'm actually also looking at Derrick Rose and I'm expecting to see a move if Cam really fills out either that or 
the Knicks look to capitalize on success and try to flip him from for a pick or so. That's the, what I foresee. Let's all be honest what we hope it is. And I wrote about this recently for Post and Toasting. The hope is that Julius Randle improves his stock. So if he's the one that's traded and Cam Reddish is allowed to play some small ball at the four behind Obi and also some minutes at the three. That to me is a dream scenario. Is that Randall is, you know, I'm sure I'm going to some hate for this, but Randall is shipped out in order to allow some of the other guys more sustained minutes, not just as starters, but also in the rotation. That would free up to me the most uh, opportunities for Cam, both at the three and the four. Now, I agree with you. Like, to be honest with you, too, the, the role that Obi is in, spot up three point shooter, who, you know, could play some defense at the times, to me, that fits Cam more naturally than Obi, but that's a whole nother conversation. And I realized that last season when Cam was playing in the four, but that's a whole, whole nother conversation that uh, I don't even want to get into right now. All right. Because yeah, <laughs> in order for, for Cam to hit those minutes, the three is so stacked with depth. I mean, Grimes will play some small ball three. RJ is pretty much solidified there. You still have Evan Fournier, but if Randall's moved, it's Obi and who at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not for real. Obi and who? It's Obi and who? And, you know, Fournier's not going to go lately. Fournier just went to the finals. All right? <laughs> Fournier just went to the finals with France and was lighting it up. So he's in shape. That man's in shape. So training camp is going to be a battle, but I'm rooting for Cam. I'm rooting for Cam, and I'm rooting for him to stay here. And you know what? I heard, listen, it's going to take $15 million to $20 million to keep Cam in the building. That's what Ian reported last season when we got him. So we definitely would have to move somebody if we end up staying with Cam. And if he plays well this year, you got to play well next year. No no Fugazi stuff where you play hard on your contract year and then turn back into a pumpkin. We don't want none of that, all right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. But, yo, salute to the chat, man. Um, Listen, you can call in if you want to. Um, I, Fritz, are the phone lines working now? Can you hear me? I just want to make sure before I, before I give out the phone number. But you can call 319-527-6241. That's 319-527-6241. Um, guys, one of your guys could type that in the chat so I could pin it too. If you want to call in and talk Knicks basketball and talk about um, some of the Knicks news and what's going on with us uh, in Knicks Nation. All right? But salute to the chat. Shouts to Still Dre, Gerald, Mac Gerald MacGyver, picks for Timmy, Gerald Charlotte, uh, B. Willis, my guy Fritz, DJ Space Ghost, and everybody else is rocking with the KOT show tonight. All right. I see, I see Still Dre says, hopefully, Lakes get desperate and trade us a pick for a Fournier package. Hey, listen, they need shooters. They definitely need shooters. So, if, um, if Fournier, I don't know if people realize that Fournier was one of the best M NBA three-point shooters last season, but he has been. All right. All right. Salute, 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 salute. All right. Next up, let's talk about somebody else that I I know and love. Shout out to the Quickly Hive. All right, quickly hive stand up. 
because listen, everybody knows that I have been in the quickly hive for a while. I went off, I went on, I went out the window. The first time I see him outperform, uh, Franklin Lakina and, and, and Dennis Smith Jr. Back in the day, I was like, start that boy. That boy is a point guard. And then last season happened and there was a dip. He started off slow. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Um, but then, you know, he picked it up. He picked it up a little bit at the end. And because of his improved play, Ian Begley reports that is expected that uh, Emmanuel quickly will receive a bigger role. And to me, I'm like, what, what does a bigger role mean? Grimes has been reported that Grimes might start. That's what Ian Begley said. So if it's reported that Grimes might start, and it's also reported that uh, he's expected to have a bigger role. It's like, what does that mean? But I, I, but I'll get to that a little bit later. For, for now, I don't know. I'm gonna let you, uh, Ryan. What do you expect from quickly this season? And what do you feel like are the biggest questions for quickly leading into this 2022, 2023 season? Well, like you said, if this was the first half of last season and he continued to perform like that throughout the rest of the season, there would be a, a lot of questions going into this season. But I think his improvement in the second half going into the off season, I think he's shown that he does deserve more playing time and a bigger role that rumors have said that they plan on using him for and um with quickly he just showed an improvement in his all-around game you know he got better at penetrating going to the basket finishing at the rim could he be better at it of course he can but he showed improvement in that area of his game he's definitely shown that he has vision he can definitely get other players involved and get them shots in areas where they can thrive. And of course, he's always had his three-point shot. It'll be interesting to see how they're going to give him a bigger role because, you know, they brought in Jalen Brunson and, you know, Jalen Brunson is going to probably be the starting point guard. And there's, and Derrick Rose, which we're going to talk about later tonight, Derrick Rose is still there as well. So it's tough to see what bigger role what bigger role entails does that mean that he continues to come off the bench and and then maybe he might be inserted late in late in games which Thibs did do at times last season or yeah i'm not sure what they mean by bigger role per se but overall i think quickly has shown that he has improved and if he can just continue on the right track those same strides he made towards the second half of last season i think he'll be fine you know, when the Donovan Mitchell trades were being negotiated between the Knicks and Utah before everything fell through, it felt like a certainty that Emmanuel quickly was going to be a part of that package because of the, the massive overlaps, yeah. uh, skill set and identity between him and, and Donovan. I really, I, I started preparing myself for uh, IQ's absence on the team. And I was really happy when that trade fell through that, you know, hey, these are the guys we're going to have presumably for a long time. And quickly, just attitude and personality. He, he seems to be a really lovable guy, beloved teammate, especially by Obi 
They seem to be a dynamic duo. And I, I love the chemistry with those two guys that really built and the chemistry between him and Derek Rose um, in that second unit comes in to, to relieve the starters. For me, Emmanuel Quickly, I just want to see more attempts at the line. I think getting his free throw attempts up because he's a really solid free throw shooter and a above average shooter uh, all around. I like to see him drive more, not settle so much for that long range 15 foot floater, get into a little bit more into the teeth of a defense and get some easier buckets and close proximity to the basket. Uh, I think it's way too many times he settles for pulling up an intermediate range and settling for a really long floater. When he has a quick step, he could get a little bit deeper into uh, toward the basket and get a more high percentage shot. So increasing that and just, you know, having some of those minutes that used to be given to Derrick Rose, uh, move to him. I like to see him be the first starter off the bench, uh, even before Rose, and kind of be more in a playmaking point guard role behind Brunson, um, playing alongside the bench unit. That would be my hope. And also finishing games more than he did last year as well. Yeah, yo, here's the thing with quickly, and you mentioned the finishing. And this is why, this is one of the reasons why I'm hopeful. You start to see towards the end, the second half of the season, a little bit of his game kind of switched up a little bit. He started going to the rim a little bit, bit more. And you can see the growth from the 2021st season to 2020 season to the 2021st season, right? At the rim, 33rd percentile. And then last season, uh, 62nd percentile, which is crazy because, you know, smaller than Julius, smaller than RJ, finishing at the rim at a higher clip. It's kind of crazy. Right. <laughs> and he, he seemed like he was getting a lot of and ones there as well. Um, so I, I like that. I also like the passing in general. His assist percentage has gone up a lot. 73rd percentile in assist percentage. Um, pick and roll. Pick and roll boy handler. He's in the 78th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler. He has one of the best, one of the best on off stats on the team. The second highest behind Miles McBride. I know Roy would like to hear that shout out to Roy, <laughs> but the team scores 12 more points a game when he's playing. There's a lot to like about quickly when he's done this in the second half. And it kind of gets me excited it's kind of the reason why i didn't want Jalen brunson here at first because i wanted to see what quickly could do given a full runway like and i do agree with you lee that the the free throw percentage the free throws have to go up but even that's going up in the second half of the season i feel like he started to figure out how fouls are being called and he's able to get to the line and it also, he started to figure out how to how to isolate, how to call switches and pick on the slowest man in the in the opposing team's defense. And he did it in Miami. We came when we came back to win it, and he's done that uh, a lot through the second half of this season. The second half of this season quickly was phenomenal. Pulse All Star numbers 43 percent from three. 4.7 rebounds from a guard and 5.2 assists quickly. He went off. He went off, man. So when people talk about, oh, he's not a point guard, he's not a point guard, I'm still like on the side of like chill. I don't care. There's not a lot of 
a typical prototypical prototype point guards anyway my the, the, the thing for me is he still gets it done and he can still set up people at high clip and score which is kind of what we need you know a lot of people talk about his inefficiency at the three-point line or he's he's always been labeled a shooter but he's never been an elite shooter in terms of percentage a lot of that's the second unit he's playing with guys under lens noel and todd gibson they're not the best passing out of double teams and passing out of the low post now isaiah hartenstein one of the best passers in a big man especially off the bench i think iq is going to be benefiting the one of the guys benefiting the most from playing alongside hartenstein and his ability to facilitate um, in, in the high post and the low post, you know, in the corners, uh, I think he's gonna have a lot more open threes opposed to having to work his ass off and pull up off the uh, off the dribble for me on the arc. The thing is, too, it's funny. Yeah, like that's a good observation that I have to kind of uh, inspect a little bit because he hasn't been good at spot up shooting, right? Thirty nine percentile from a guy who's supposed to be your three point weapon. You have to shoot better than that. Have to, have to, have on spot-ups. And he hasn't done that. And if you're going to be playing with Jalen Brunson and and with the rest of those guys, being a consistent spot-up shooter is going to help a bunch. And hopefully that part yeah. of his game will actualize. Also, I need to see him put a whole season together. Now, I get it. Last year, he was trying to figure out how to balance being a playmaker and a score. But this season with a year under his belt, I expect him to come out the gate and be end of the year manual quickly throughout the whole season. And that's what I, I really want to see for him to have a successful season this year. But um, I think go ahead. playing along with Fournier if he's moved to a bench role and that's to Hardenstein that allow him to be a little bit more wide open and catching better passes uh, and have more better spacing. And their spot up shots, fingers crossed. Yeah, I agree. Hardenstein is a, is a missing link right here, man. Hardenstein is a beast. He can pass well. Obi can low key pass well too, but Hardenstein yeah, is a little bit sure. uh, another level when it comes to the Good passing. Point. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Ryan. <laughs> y'all added all the good words. I'm just gonna go. Through, I'm just gonna go with what y'all said. <laughs> I said my piece earlier. I'm straight. IQ. I expect a good third season from him all the way. When he talked the when he talked about him having an extensive role. In my mind, okay, Grimes is starting, right? At least Ian Begley seems to believe that, even though it's not completely reported. He believes it since Evan Fournier was in a bunch of trade rumors. Right? What do you feel about Jalen Brunson, Emmanuel quickly backcourt. I mean, me personally, I'm not really a fan of the two small guards in the backcourt, but that's just me. I feel like if you have a small guard in the backcourt, you need at least one guard with size. Yeah. Especially the way the NBA is nowadays with bigger guards. But I wouldn't be opposed to playing it at times, especially in games where the Knicks might need offensive spark to get back into games. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if they go to Brunson IQ backcourt just to see if they can get some points on the board and get back into games. And I trust IQ's effort on defense enough for him to be alongside Brunson. So I would play 
IQ, I, I would play IQ Brunson backcourt in situations where the Knicks need points on the board. But besides that, I would rather go with Brunson starting and then have IQ come off the bench to replace Brunson. But that's me, though. I agree with that. Uh, you saw Brunson play with uh, Dinwiddle at the end of games a lot in the playoffs in the regular season last year, too. A lot of success. Uh, I, I agree. It really depends on who else is starting alongside those two in the backcourt. Spacing's important, but you also need a lot of rim protection, too, with that as your uh, defensive duo on the perimeter. So, it, also, Brunson's got to shoot more threes. In order for IQ to be yeah. open, the space to be more efficient, Brunson's got to increase his threes per game from three to four up to six or seven. Uh, that would make that IQ pairing a lot more efficient as well. Man, the key for our team in general and particularly the starting unit is shoot and hit more threes. That's pretty much the, if the starting unit shoots and hits more threes, everything works out. Yep. Julius Randle. Every Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Brunson, all of them yep. in different, in different types of different types of threes. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. And how do I say this? Cause I'm going to talk about Derrick Rose in a minute. There's always going to be an issue when the subs comes in. Cause which is why I think Ian believes Grimes is going to start and why Knicks nation probably thinks the same thing as well. Cause once Grimes comes out, who's starting at the two, who's who, who you going to, who, what tall person is going to be there was ground goes up, comes out. The only option you really do have is, is Cam Reddish. So when I'm looking at this team, for us to get to the next phase of the Knicks and grow, one of these young guys has to pop. And if Cam and IQ pop, those two in particular, no, Cam, IQ, and RJ. If Cam, IQ, and RJ pop, everything else becomes a lot simpler because you know what you can do you can do a changing of the guard move Derek rose somewhere else in the off season i mean in at my trade deadline have him join a championship team have iq run um the point guard spot back up point guard spot full time you can have you know you can have um <clears throat> You can have Cam then played it too, and you don't have the pressure to to actually move Evan Fournier, which is hot, which is a harder move because everybody is saying move Evan Fournier, move Evan Fournier, and I actually would prefer to move Evan Fournier, but when I really look at the scope of this team, I feel like it might be easier to move Derrick Rose and have things happen that way. I don't know. When I see you said when Grimes comes out, move Barrett to two when came at three. That's a good, yeah. I agree with you guys, Black Set. And uh, man, uh, Deshaun NYK, I believe, or I'm with you guys. I don't know what you guys think about that in that perspective. That's the hope. If we're not moving to Derrick Rose, talking about him, the, to me, the number one thing that he has to be ready for and expectations is to have a decreased role and probably eventually be traded. Because best case scenario is, if you said IQ hits, he eats up a lot of Derrick uh, Derrick Rose's minutes. 
shares some light with Miles McBride and becomes a de facto first guard off the bench. I just want Derrick Rose, I, I think at this point in his career, he's more able uh, to take on a, a lesser role in the offense, trusting with Leon Rose and put him in position to succeed when he's eventually traded to a champion. But yeah, to me, I think Derrick Rose is the most tradable piece we have off the bench. Yeah, he just has to prove that he's going to be healthy. And then I think everything else is going to fall in place. You know what I mean? Uh, but yo, shout out to the chat. Um, if you want to call, you want to call in, you want to talk Knicks basketball, you already know what to do. Call right now. 319-527-6241. That is 319-527-6241. Um, Fritz, can you type it in the chat too? And I can pin it at the top for people who want to call in. Um, and let's get to it. So we're going to talk about Derek Rose next. But shout out to everybody in chat. Shout out to Black Set, uh, Man Sadu, Sean NYK. Uh, Richard Shomo. Uh, everybody else is rocking with the KT show. All right. All right, let's get it. Let's get to it. Derek Rose, man. Derek Rose. I fully expect Tom Thibodeau to dog face, ugly cry. If we ever move Derek Rose, I expect it. <laughs> I expect it. But um, here's the thing. Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose is going Derrick Rose, man. You, I know we talking about moving him, but it's not because he, he is a, a bad player. It's because he's a good player, actually. And it's because we're caught in the middle of a youth movement and a veteran movement, and we need to start to transition and pass the torch. But... I fully expect Derrick Rose to come out here and ball. The dude has been off for the whole season. Um, he was still balling last season before he got injured. When it comes to isolation plays or isolation scoring, he is our best isolation scorer on the team, even with Jalen Brunson, which is crazy. He's like, I think he's a uh, 81st percentile while Jalen Brunson's in the 60s, 64. And this is going off memory. But G- I ex- really expect uh, Derrick Rose to continue that. And if you really think about it, a lot of the close games we lost, we probably could have won if Derrick Rose was in the game because Derrick Rose kind of simmers things down and makes those clutch shots and put people in their space spots and without him um we were missing that and that's a lot of reason why you know we we missed the play-in so even though i hope that iq and those guys pop um and my, my that might be best for us long term i still struggle to see if the front office does that but i hope so i hope so so yeah, so so Lee, what do you think about Derrick Rose and his role this upcoming season? Derrick Rose in that playoff series two two seasons ago, he was the best player on the team. I think when everyone else kind of shriveled um, and refused to like really step up and play at least on the same level they were during the season, Rose was the only guy who really was still barreling down the court, getting to the line, hitting free throws, getting in ones, 
he was at Penny Hardaway was not 04 series way back in the day. Yeah. That bet off the bench to depend on. Um, this season, I think that as he goes, as our play in tournament chances go, Derek Rose goes. If we are, you know, hovering around playoff, uh, play in tournament contention around the midseason before we train deadline, I think Leon stays with him and, and rides it out and allows him to be, you know, a yeah. point in that rotation for the, for the play in tournament. If we're, if things are falling apart and it's obvious that we need a change, I think Derek Rose would be moved and allowed the youth to take over. So it's a really like, it's an interesting conundrum, but at the same time, I want to be competitive and I want to make the play in tournament this year, but also I want the young guys to pop. And it, it feels difficult to be able to have both those things happen at the same time. So I think if, if we're in the hunt for the play in tournament or, you know, somewhere between the seventh or eighth seed, I think Derek Rose is still on the team by the end of the season. Yeah. I, I agree with you, even though it seems like the easier path for me to kind of move this thing forward, especially if Cam pops with IQ, I can definitely see a scenario where the Knicks keep him because of that experience. And that's Tom Thibodeau's security blanket. Yes. Anything to add to that, Ryan? Well, I want to start off by saying this. Like, Derrick Rose is one of my favorite players on the Knicks. Yeah. Because he's one of the few players on the team where he gives consistent performances. Like you know what you you know what you're gonna get from Derrick Rose pretty much every night when he steps on the court. And a lot of times in clutch situations, Derrick Rose would step up for the Knicks and get big baskets and and help out the offense because, like you said, he's a very good he's a very good isolation player, 81 percentile, and in close situations, you want that type of player to be on the court. Because you know that he can take his man one on one and get and get a basket, but there's gonna but the thing is that there's gonna be a logjam at point guard. Yeah, and it'll, be, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays it out because you have Brunson, you have IQ, and you have Rose. I already know Thibs is gonna play Rose because Rose is his guy, but Thibs also is gonna play IQ because Thibs has shown that he likes IQ and he will give IQ minutes. And of course, Brunson is the new guy on the team. So he's definitely going to give Brunson minutes as well. So I, I would love to see how Thibs is going to really separate the minutes or balance out the minutes between those three players. But, you know, Derrick Rose, he's one of those players where it's like you want your young guys to grow, right? But Derrick Rose is such a good player, and he adds a lot of value to the team where it's like, do you really want to trade him? Or do you want to keep him, especially if you make a playoff run? It's one of those situations where it's like, uh, it's kind of like you're pulling teeth because you're like, damn, like I want to trade him because I want to give the young guys like, yeah. like that more playing time so they can develop. But at the same time, it's like, damn, Derrick Rose is such a good player that if we make a playoff run, he can definitely help out the Knicks as well. So That would hurt the most. It would definitely hurt the most yeah. if he was moved, for sure. I yeah, see exactly. a great comment. And there's a great comment here in the chat from Mansa Dushan NYK. It says Rose can't carry us. We shouldn't want him to. I'd rather move on from all vets older than Mitch. At this point, I agree, I agree with him. We shouldn't be depending on Derrick Rose to bail us out or Derrick Rose to get us to the playing tournament. That that we should be riding IQ in that role in that position. Guys like him, guys like Grimes, guys like RJ. Our season shouldn't shouldn't live and die by Derrick Rose at this point in his career. I think that's a great comment. I agree 100. percent yeah, but you already know. I can already see. I can already see the lineups with Derrick Rose, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett closing the games. I can see it already. I can see. It. 
<laughs> I can see it already. Tell me you can't see it, because I definitely can. I can see. I just don't want to. <laughs> as as long as Dibs is there, trust me, Dibs yeah. will know roles in late game situations. He will. <laughs> Yo, Tibbs will keep tibbing. It don't matter. It's going to happen. <laughs> all right. It's going to happen. And like it'll be mixed emotion when it happens. Cause I'm going to be cheering because I love Derrick Rose. Definitely love Derrick Rose. Um, one of the best things that's happened to this team, to be honest with you. All right. Salute to the chat. As you know, you, you already see that number. If you want to call in, it's pinned to the top. 319-527-6241. I know we have two callers in the queue. Fritz. Um, first caller, what's your name? Where are you coming from? Who are you calling from? And what do you want to talk about? Hi, what's up? This is Ben from Queens. Shout out to me. Nation, definitely, all day. Listen, we need to realize something about Terry Rose. I love him, but we got to move in. Yeah. Especially if we're making a playoff push. Because this is the thing, right? If we have all these young players and we're looking to develop them, what better thing to do than to give them playoff experience? Yeah. It doesn't make sense to have somebody like Derrick Rose, who, you know what I'm saying? We love him. Um, probably not a Hall of Fame guy, but this guy has heart. And he's trying to come back. But we've got younger guys who need that playoff experience. It doesn't make sense to have him take the minutes away from them. You know, and I, I see seriously IQ could be kind of like, like a scoring type point guard type guy. His game, in a way, he'll bring similar things that Derrick Rose does because Derrick Rose is not really that smart on the court who's really trying to dish out a, a bunch of dimes. He's pretty much more of a score first point guard. He always has been. That's IQ's acting. He's really like a scoring type of player, and he'll give you a few dimes on top of that. It's better for them to go in that direction. And then to top it off, we're going to be dealing with another year. We're still trying to figure out what these guys might do. We're yeah. looking at them throughout the course of the season. And it's like, all right, they did this in the season. But when it's really pressure time in the playoffs, what could they do? That answer is not going to be provided if we give him more of these minutes. You know, so, I mean, I, I hate to say, but I think we got to move on from him um, or, or at least limit his minutes. The, the young guys got to shine. That, and, and if they don't do that, that's bad coach. And kids, yo, you on the clock, brother. Sorry. <laughs> Tick tock. Tibbs is on the clock. Hey. Salute to you, yeah. man. I didn't hear your name. But salute to you, man. Shout out to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, he agrees with us, gentlemen. Derek, this is a hard one. Derek Rose Hall of Fame, though. He's wrong about that one. Derek Rose is Hall of Fame, for sure. Oh, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that because when he said it, I was like, that's crazy. Like, this guy was the youngest MVP in the league. (laughs) (laughs) If that knee injury didn't take him out early, he he would have been one of the best point guards of all time if it wasn't for his injuries. Yeah. Yeah. And and the crazy part about Derrick Rose is, like, he's added stuff to his game in the, like the last three or four years. It's like all of a sudden he's a three point shooter and he was. Yes. So if he's healthy, teams are going to want him if he's healthy for sure. 
for sure. It, it's crazy when analysts are mentioning that, oh man, the Knicks missed the play in, but if we had Derrick Rose, he would have we would have made it. Like that's crazy. That statement is crazy. <laughs> All right. Next caller up. Let us know what your name is, where you're from, and what do you want to talk about? P C P P P C Yaz Evergreen G. What's going uh, on? From from the Bronx by way of Soundview. Uh uh currently living in South Jersey out here. I want to talk about this. This Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish conundrum that we have here. Cause the three of them all seem to be linked. So we got we got a double scenario that I like to use. We got the, the scenario as a matter of Evergreen G logic. And then the well, I say three. The scenario is a matter of evergreen G logic. The scenario as to we know what Tom Thibodeau is going to do, and then the scenario that is technically I would think to be best for the team. The first one is, man, unfortunately we got to give Evan Fournier the Marcus Morris treatment, right? <laughs> let Marcus Morris rock out first, right? Let him do his thing and let him get that trade value up. Up, 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 high in the sky. You know what I mean? Almost like a Marcus. I don't Morris think he's gonna up, have the shot. Marcus Morris trade value, though. But I, I think it yeah, that yeah. might have happened already. I don't know. Right. So you get that trade value up, and then you move on from from Evan Fournier. Um, moving on from Evan Fournier will allow Cam Reddish, hopefully, if he proves himself in training camp, to fit right in that slot. Moving RJ at the two. Um, Raw Hebrew talks about this all the time, and I've been in the before even the Donovan Mitchell rumors are coming about. Um, now, if that doesn't happen, then we have the Derrick Rose conundrum, which is a lot of people don't like these two words in the NBA, but um, we got to load manage Derrick Rose. Um, I don't I don't want Derrick Rose to go because I'm trying to win, even in the playoffs. And just like the previous caller and a couple of y'all earlier said, you know, De- Derrick Rose's value is really going to be in the playoffs. And the last thing I want him to do is to blow his damn knee out again, uh, doing something silly uh, in a meaningless game against the Orlando Magic or against the Detroit Pistons or something silly like that. So right. I really don't even want the guy playing, and I'm, I'm willing to keep you know keep him at what we got like 16 million a year. I'm willing to keep him at 16 million a year on the bench for someone that's going to be successful and bear us some fruit in a playoff, right? Um. So with that being said, that will automatically have the implication that uh, the full-time bench point guard is going to be IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 but we already know, just like you know, just like you said, Dale, um, Derrick Rose is going to be closing games with Jalen Brunson, with RJ, unfortunately with Juju, and I actually think that um, Hartenstein, because of his scoring ability. Um, I think Hardenstein will probably be, you know, be on the, uh, uh, you know, closing out games as well. Interesting. So I know this, you know, this, this I know this, this, this looks like a, or it sounds like a, a Quentin Grimes, you know, is the odd man out. But if we look at Tom Thibodeau historically, he's never really jumped deep into a 10 man rotation. Yeah. You know, so either way, either way, two of the young guys were going to be out. So if we do the load management, then we can only, you know, sacrifice one young guy being out, and that young guy would just be Grimes. Um, and I get it. Everyone's falling in love with Grimes over the last, you know, it seems like two days. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> just magically in love with Grimes all of a sudden. 
Um, but I think his time will come because he's still got another, you know, at this point, three years on contract. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I think his time will come. But I, she's, I, mean, I, just, I, I just don't want him, you know, to be stuck in a place of two guys that are right at the point where they need contracts and they need to play for right. it. So my lineup, you know what I'm saying, my, my, my lineup, you know, and I don't want to see Cam Reddish go. I'm definitely a part of the Cam high. Uh, my lineup in the beginning of the season is just as normally projected, which is Brunson, Fournier for trade purposes, RJ at the three, Julius at the four, Mitch at the five. Um, and then coming off the bench is Derrick Rose, I mean, excuse me, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, um, you know, uh, low managing Derrick Rose. And, you know, you still have room for Grimes. Still have room for Grimes. You still have room for, um, you know, uh, 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 Ovi. You still have room for Hartenstein. You know, so I, I think there's still room to be there. But uh, as far as Oof. keeping people and playing them heavy minutes, you know, I, I, I just I don't see that happening either way with with Derek. I mean, with uh, Tom Thibodeau as their coach. All right, peace and love, y'all. I'm out of here. All right, peace and love. Shout out to you. Thanks for calling, everyone. Yeah, he mentioned Derrick Rose twice, but I, I think I know he was going with it. But he seems like he's leaning towards uh, Cam over Grimes. I don't see uh, Grimes sitting. The yeah, defense is just too valuable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it at all. But um, I kind of agree. I understand the logic, though. Like You have guys here who we need to make a decision on when it comes to contract time. And we do not need another uh, Frank Lakina situation here and when i say frank lakina i'm not talking about skill set i'm talking about we have a young guy in this organization who we didn't trade and we didn't play and then when his contract runs out he just walks away for free that is a catastrophe that was mismanagement of assets we do not need that to happen so uh, i i agree i agree I like how he said he wanted to start Evan Fournier for trading purposes to up his value. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think his value will be that high, man. When I'm looking at what Bogdanovich got traded for, like Bogdanovich getting trade getting traded for that much, I feel like that's kind of like Evan's like ceiling, or you know what I mean. Leon needs to make a decision on is this a team is trying to cultivate culture and keep vets around until I make a play in tournament, or are they really going all in on development and allowing young guys to play major minutes, make mistakes, and possibly end up back in the lottery by doing so? I feel like Leon Rhodes is like walking that fine line between not wanting to, to fully commit to either, and a lot of that's because of who our coach is, Tom Thibodeau, and their relationship. Like he doesn't want to upset Thibs and just do a taint season, which is really what we've needed maybe right. probably the yeah, gotta upset your bestie, man. I don't care how far back you went, gotta upset him. Yep. Like take away his security blanket. All right. <laughs> Yo, shout out to people in the trash. It's your first time here. Uh listen, we hear you talking Knicks basketball all the time. You're gonna be here during the season after every game talking Knicks basketball. And we we'll be here um breaking down Knicks situations and uh, so on and so forth until the preseason starts. And also, listen, man, 
we got we got somebody coming we got a special guest coming soon i won't i won't let you know who it is yet but uh uh stuff in the works we trying out here all right next caller up i see we have one more caller let us know what your name is and where you from and what do you want to talk about peace peace mbic from the bronx new york what's going on what's going on so i got a few things um i listen to you guys a lot i listen to raw hebrew as well shout out um, to raw but i yeah i listen to raw that's that's like he's like a, a ritual um but there's something that i, I want to address like everybody keeps talking about Derek rose and they're talking about his load management and they're talking about a whole bunch of different things the only way that Derek rose is an issue is if tom thibodeau is our coach facts i don't think he's gonna be a coach because if you look at the timeline with Tom Thibodeau, Tom Thibodeau, three years is, is his max, other than Chicago. Okay? He's at that timeline. I think Leon Rose knows Tom, and I know, you know, they have a relationship. And I think I don't think he was here for long term. I just think he was here just to build a culture. Mm. And I think his initial, uh, I think his um, long-term coach was Johnny Bryant because think about this. Thibs has not learned his lesson. Each time that he's gotten fired from his, his head coaching job, they were for the same reason. Yeah. And he's still doing it. So I think that um, Rose has given Thibs an opportunity because they're cool, but he hasn't learned his lesson. And you still don't know what you have. See, this is the thing. We don't know what we have with all of our players. Yeah. We have a point guard. We have, which, which, see, this is why the Knicks are going to be so much better than people give us credit for. Mitch Robinson is going to have a stellar, he's going to have a stellar um, season. As long as Obi. Yeah. Because you, you look at Obi's game, Obi is like, like Amari Sotomayor. Amari Sotomayor was good when he had, well, most, um, most beneficial when he had a point guard. Facts. You have a point guard. Mitch Robinson needs a point guard. You have a point guard. Facts. So those two are going to be unlocked. You know, now you got, you look at the elements of our team and how our teams are going to be, you know, everything's going to be different. Even with Julius Randle. And I believe that he, he I believe he will be traded um, somewhere at some point during the season. Because people are going to see that his value, he's going to, his value is going to go up, and then we're going to see Obi, and we're going to see our, but we still don't know our players. And like the craziest thing about what's going on with this Knicks, and what I hear all the time, and it's so annoying, and it's hard to be a Knicks fan. People are downplaying the pro, the um, the prowess of R.J. Barrett. Everybody keeps saying we need a star, we need a star. R.J. Barrett is in line with five players that did the same thing as him at 22 years old, mm. and they all became superstars. But people, cheat, they, they, they want to ignore that. Yeah. So there's a good status. There's a good stat. There's a good um, time for him to become a superstar. I'm not saying that he's going to be a superstar anytime soon, 
But I think about this, and then, you know, the whole, and I hear about the whole um, Donovan Mitchell thing. Oh, we need a star. We need to trade to get a star. I think in three years, I think RJ is going to be better than him. Mmm. I had to, I had to, I had to hit the gunshots on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Huh? Interesting, interesting talking points. You know what? Yo, thanks for calling. We're going to talk all about what you just said. Appre- appreciate you calling, man. I love- <laughs> appreciate you All calling. right, peace. Peace, peace, peace. End the day with the... Say with your chest. He said RJ is going to be better than Donovan Mitchell. I don't know about all that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to rewind that. everything he just said because he he's dropping a lot of a lot of gems and a lot of first thing I'm going to say is this um, offensively I think he is correct Obi Toppin and Mitchell Robinson those two guys I feel like are going to eat yeah. a lot more um, I was in some stats you know when IQ and OB are in a game together, OB eats when they're in the game together. He doesn't eat as much when he was playing with the start with the starters. You know? Cause because IQ was feeding the ball. But now when you're looking at these offseason tapes and you're watching Jalen Brunson and OB run together, you see that Jalen Brunson is looking for OB cutting. So I feel like OB, no matter who, I feel like this season. No matter who Obi play with plays with, he's going to eat offensively. So that's one. And the same thing can be said for Mitch. I also seen some stat that said Mitch um scored more when he was playing with IQ. And I I really think if Mitch had the opportunities to play with a guard who was passing the ball more in that first unit, he would ate more as well. So I do believe those two guys are going to look better now that Jane Brunson's here and Derrick Rose is healthy as well. Cause we're going to have all guards who can kind of play me. The other part is though, is still to me. And I talked about this earlier is the shooting between Jalen Brunson, uh, RJ Barrett, Julius Randall. If their shooting starts to, if they start to hit threes at a higher clip, we're, we're it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap for the league. <laughs> It's rapidly, league, but I think a lot of our success hangs on whether RJ and Jalen, at least two of these guys can start to hit threes at a more consistent basis. That's, that's what I feel. I think the piece that I like the most is my main man, Johnny Bryan on the bench waiting in the wings to eventually <laughs> take over, man. I'm not a Thibs fan at all. I'm glad that at least I didn't say that right now the Celtics are a more hot mess organization. A man, Delta is being done dirty by Boston. I would love for the Knicks to, you know, bring him on, bring him on a team, put him on the bench, assistant coach, and, and eventually take over for Thibs, man. Uh, I just think that we need a young guy who gets it. The culture of the NBA has changed. The type of coach that you need on the sidelines has changed. That old school Larry Brown mentality don't yeah. work no more. You got to have someone who can empathize and understand what these players are going through. You know, the guys that understand about like man online identity, how to manage your money. Those things are important. Um, and I, I think having someone like Johnny Bryan or a guy like Udoka, obviously, who's a finals bound coach, 
would be to me a better opportunity just to, to manage the roster, manage the minutes, and manage his personalities on his team than our guy Thibs was. Because if you always say, man, Thibs going to Thibs, that's not always a good going to Thibs. That's one thing I'm not really sure about. Like, those guys are boys, man. You're not just going to fire your boy. This is not like past seasons where they just throwing away coaches all willy-nilly or seasons before this, you know? So he, for Tibbs to go, Tibbs has to fail, fail. When I say fail, fail, I mean like start off crazy, you know, like three and 30 or something like something crazy like that. I don't think that he's going to get rid of Tibbs. I just don't see it. I, I just don't. That's a bad move by Leon to even put us in that position, you know, to like to hire a guy that's his best friend that you can't actually discipline or can't actually oversee because of those prior relationships. That's a tough situation to begin with. Yeah. This whole organization is built on relationships, by the way, just, just to let you know, even the news where the Knicks hired, um, I forgot the guy's name from the Timberwolves to do the negotiation for Donovan Mitchell. Like the only reason why he was hired is because that guy was friends with the Utah, with the Utah front office, and they felt like he get the deal done. That's the only reason, really. It's like they this whole team is built on relationships. Scott Perry handled the negotiations with OKC because he was cool with the front office of OKC, so he was in charge. So this whole thing is built on straight up relationships, which is why I. I Unless Tibbs does something crazy, I don't see it happening. I, I just don't. Now, RJ Barrett becoming an all-star. Better than Donovan Mitchell. Woo! Call me Mr. Chimney because I want smoke. He came with the smoke with that take, man. All I have to say is RJ Barrett is a very hard worker, and I don't want to put a ceiling on that guy. Um, so I'm not going to say he's definitely going to be better than Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell right now is his top 15 player, but, um, he has a chance. He definitely has a chance. And I love his work ethic. I love his demeanor. It would mean a lot for New York and the city. If RJ Barrett did become a top 15 player in the NBA, I know he's been working on his step back and his finishing. Um, and I feel like if he's starts to work on his uh shooting off the dribble and his finishing um he'll be fine and it's interesting enough i feel like the playmaking as well i feel like if he gets his playmaking um up and he looks for teammates more i feel like his finishing will go up as a byproduct of that so um rj has a chance man rj definitely has yeah. a chance he's on his way to be a more complete all-around player i think than, than donovan mitchell he has that two-way ability and that hard work, that work ethic, and the ability not, not to to shine away from the spotlight, too. I think Donovan Mitchell's play in this last year's playoffs the Mavericks was really disappointed in fans who were thinking about him wanting to come over to the team. But Donovan, he's a special athlete and a really special off-the-dribble off creator, too, that I don't know if RJ has the ability to get to, but I think he, RJ can definitely improve in every other facet of the game, defense, facilitation, rebounding, all those things, too, yeah. Yeah. It's Listen, and we just, we lost Ryan G. He's back though. All right. <laughs> you know what's funny? I do think there was a, there was a portion when Johnny Bryant applied for the Utah job. I low key think he didn't get it because they knew they were trading Donovan Mitchell a little bit later, and they and they felt like that was gonna be weird. So they might as well just like they didn't want to hire 
uh, Donovan Mitchell's guy, so it just went somewhere else. That's that's my weird theory, though. But yeah, welcome back, Ryan G. <laughs> All yeah, right, telling me as usual, but I'm yeah, man. Yo, salute to the chat. If you're loving the show, please hit the like button and subscribe. We talk Knicks all the time. And we'll be back. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking some more Knicks news and Knicks updates. Gonna be talking about Obi, Hartenstein, and more next week. All right. So definitely tune in next week as we continue our Knicks talk. And stay tuned for a special guest that's that's um going to join KOT. So stay tuned for that. So you definitely, definitely, trust me. It looks like we got a caller. Definitely want to stay for that. All right? You definitely want to see the, the special guest. Definitely. Let me know. All right? Cool. All right. Next caller up. I think we got Alex. Yo, what's good, bro? What's going on? I'm hyped. We're getting so close to this season kicking off, dog. Man, I can't psh, listen. I'm with you, sir. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, we're about to get this graphics department on another level this season, bro. So it's all good. Let's go. Shout out to my guy, Alex, who helps me out with the Already graphics know. during the season, no, man. And on IG, shout out to you. No, yeah. Shout out to you guys. Shout out Ryan G. Lee, of course. Fritz on the phones. All the mods. Let's go. I can't. Come on. I got to leave with that, obviously, right? Absolutely. Um, Best mind of the game. <laughs> Yo, I'll keep it quick though. I was, I thought for a second, you know, and just, you know, to be fair, I missed probably like most of the first part of the show. So if I, you know, someone said this, or if you guys touched on it, you know, stop me or whatever. But, um, for a second, I thought y'all were kind of getting away from this, but then you touched on the whole sort of relationships, et cetera. And I wanted to just put this out there because I feel like it is worth considering, or at least like worth touching on that. I remember before Brunson had signed, um, I think it was, it was probably like a post article or something, but I remember seeing at least like one or two articles where it was, um, you know, addressing the fact that Brunson had come up around those early Bulls teams, like young D-Rose, all of that, like that they have like, you know, those ties that go back to when he was like in high school. Um, mm. And so obviously, you know, there is, there is sort of the business side of just kind of like assets and making money work and so on. But like, I just feel like if we're to view Tibbs kind of like how, I mean, like when we had J kid, it was like having a coach on the floor. Like Derek Rose is not, I mean, he, I, you know, I agree with you guys, like hall of fame, obviously, et cetera. But like, you know, he's not, he's not that, but he is like kind of like almost like a mirror as far as like, it seems like he and Tibbs obviously understand themselves. Like they're close, um, right. you know, when it all gets worked down. So I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I feel like there's something to be said about that. Again, obviously there's certain like business dynamics and stuff uh, that come into play. But, um, you know, I just think like, it's almost like kind of handing the baton, you know what I mean? It's like, we got Brunson in here again, further down the line, maybe he gets moved. Who knows? Obviously it'd be cool to like have you know, have success here. And on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I wonder what you guys make as far as like, you know, obviously D-Rose is, is injury prone, but like if he's there to be in Jalen Brunson's ear and Jalen Brunson can stay healthy or, I mean, you know, obviously we want everyone to stay healthy. Right. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I think, uh, I think it's an interesting dynamic, I guess, is really, is really all, all I'm uh, trying to get at. But Yeah, it's all interesting. Everybody knows each other from back in the day. Jalen Rose knows 
Tibbs from back in the day and it was in the garden when he was a kid. Derek Rose knows Tibbs. It's like it's it's, it's all a big family affair over here. For sure. Yo. <laughs> Do you see this in the chat, though? Yo, I'm not trying to say Derrick Rose is, is worse than J-Kid, like, at the end of his career. What I'm saying is that Derrick Rose is not necessarily a coach on the floor at all times the way that J-Kid was. Like, J-Kid was coaching the team just as much as our staff was. It felt like, bro, like, I'm not making, it's not a it's not a skills comparison. It's just, like, a question of contribution and, like, right. honestly, more of just intellectual side of it. Like, you know, no, no, no shade to D-Rose, but. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's funny because I do feel like Derrick Rose is still like a stabilizer on the floor for mm-hmm. us. Um, I, I I do think he's kind of a coach on the floor, but not to the extent that Jason Kidd mm-hmm. was. Jason Kidd was like another level. Right. And I mean, like, I, yeah, but I, so I, I see like what you're saying, that, though. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But Jason Kidd, because Jason, Jason Kidd uh, is another level of coach on the floor. But yeah. if you talk to, I mean, it seems like Derrick Rose has a real, especially with Quickly in particular, has a real hold on the young guys and stabilization and, and stabilizes his team in general. But he needs, to, he needs to hold on to Julius a little bit more, though. But that's another that's another conversation. Not for sure. All right. Um, all right. Well, yo, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. That was, um, you know, it's, it's a great show. So, you know, I'm here for it. I appreciate it, man. Shout out to my guy. Shout out to my guy, Alex, who helps me out with, with the graphics. All right. All right. All right. So, you know what? I, I feel like this is a good time to talk about um something that, that came out recently. Um, The ESPN Top 100 list. And you already know, I love ESPN list. And that's, that's sarcasm. Absolutely sarcasm. They're they're always terrible. And we always talk about it. <laughs> so uh let's get to it. Lee, I know you have um access to the list and you can let us know. Um so first of all, congratulations to Mitch. He's on the list. At least that's something, right? That's something. Yeah, money so making we have, Mitch. We got four Nets on the list. Mitchell Robinson came in at ninety-eight. Okay. Joyce Randall came in at seventy-one. Jalen Brunson came in at 67, and R.J. Barry came in at 63. Uh, I don't know if ESPN interns are making this list, but there are some egregious and ridiculous uh, listings here. I mean, Julius Randle on an off year is 2010 and five, and they got Al Horford, <laughs> Al Horford above him. Julius Randle beat out Jeremiah Smith. I mean. Jeremiah Grant for most improved player of the year. They got Grant like four spots above Randall. Like make it made sense. Spencer did uh, Wendell Brown. Bum. Bum above Julius Randall. <laughs> <laughs> My guy is a bum. It's just like I don't understand the logic and thinking behind this. It's like that's what I'm saying. I think they have interns running it. I really do. It, it, it's okay. Julius Randall over Jeremy Grant. I agree with that. Um if I if they were them, they're probably doing something like, oh, the playoffs. Al Hofford did stuff in the playoffs, and he's the reason why. So I can see them like spinning it that way. Jeremy Grant, I can't understand that at all. That just seems kind of ridiculous. The man even play like Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddle. Dog, these people even watch. He's so washed, bro. He is so he, he averaged fifteen points with the Mavs. Everyone's like, 
oh my god it's like resurrecting his career like he had one season where he averaged 20 the rest has been straight mediocre and he's better than Julius Randle right maybe well, put my Julius Randle jersey on bro right right and on top of that he gets paid in Bitcoin so you know he wants the money right because <laughs> you already know what's happening with Bitcoin right now <laughs> yeah I think the way ESPN looks at rankings is like this so like the whole Al Horford, Julius Randle thing. Like, you know how you look at some players and you're like, okay, this player is clearly better than this player when it comes to skill-wise and, what they, and, and you know, what they provide on the court from a statistical perspective. Right. But then this other player, even though he's not better than this player skill-wise or from a statistical perspective, that player probably provides more leadership and impacts the game better than that other player who is clearly a better player from a from a skill standpoint. Yeah. I, I think that's the way ESPN looks at it. I think that's the only reason why Al Horford is probably higher on the list than Julius Randle because they see Al Horford and they're like, yeah, how Al Horford in the playoffs this past season with the Celtics, he he made a huge impact while he was on the court. They was looking and, at they know, was looking at Julius Randle's plus minus numbers. That's what that was. Huh? They was looking at Julius Randle's plus minus numbers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I think that's the way ESPN looking at it. Like, if you if you looked at Al Horford and Julius Randle, you would say Julius Randle's the better player, but Al Horford impacts the game when I think that's the way ESPN looks at rankings. So then where's Derrick Rose? It's, it's debatable, though. It's debatable. I mean, Derrick Rose played I, 26 games, but then Jerry, Jerry, uh, then Grant didn't really play well. So I I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. Al Horford's fine, but. Ten points a game. Al Horford averages ten points a game last season on like 34 percent shooting from three. Come on, I mean, I mean, come on. You got a point. Leadership that's on the list, not about Julius Randle. <laughs> like, I said, they, they, like I said, they're probably looking at his playoff production, and they're like, yeah, he impacted the game way more than Julius Randle, so we're gonna put him yeah. in the Julius. I think, that's, I think that's the way that they're thinking about it. For sure, because Dinwiddie was definitely due to all year, and then he had a spark in the playoffs. You know, so uh, it has to be player play. That's the only thing. I can, yeah, I can see. But Jeremy Grant over Julius Randle, yeah, that's an atrocity. Like, nah, like, I don't know what they were smoking in the back room at ESPN. The crack. Yeah, something. That's <laughs> exactly the crack. Shout to Raw. Because <laughs> <laughs> Raw, you're all Raw. Always love mentioning cracks about how though. <laughs> but, yo, you know, I was, you, know, you know what I like to see? This is the only thing that gave me joy watching this. Seeing RJ and Julius Randle ranked above the snake Chris Porzingis. That's, that's what I love about it. <laughs> that was the best part for me. Yeah. What was Chris on the list? 86? God damn. Yeah. Too bad. Nice. So sad. Try better next year. <laughs> and man, even that's too high. I wouldn't even put his bum ass on the list. Empty stats, man. How about that leadership? Mm. Uh, but I'm a hater, you know. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, he, he's like that Jay-Z lyric on a takeover, man. Had a spark when you started, but now it just garbage. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's Chris Tass for me. But anyway. I hope, I hope Bradley Billy enjoyed those empty stats and washing them from him. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't have that much to say about the, the ESPN top 100 except for that. Uh, I know we talked about uh, 
Congratulations to Mitch for making the list. Um, Jalen Brunson. That's the only other thing. Jalen Brunson dipped from 44 last season to the 60s now. So I, I'm wondering what happened there when everybody says that this season was even better than last season. And if they're talking about playoffs are a big contention and it's something they look at this man dismantled the jazz single-handedly he broke them up you know what i'm saying everybody wants to talk about the motivation for the celtics he was the motivation to break up the jazz and you're gonna drop him 20 spots yeah it doesn't make sense and yeah, and they put RJ Barrett over him too, and I'm like, I like RJ Barrett, but I don't know if I would put I, I don't know if I would put RJ Barrett over but over Brunson right now. But yeah, ESPN rankings are a bit confusing. So that was a mixed tax. I, I don't know how to come up with yeah. that. That was if a mixed tax. If he was still on a mass, he'd be in the thirties. Facts. That's, that's LOL Knicks all day long. That was the Knicks tax. We talked, I know, shout out to Alan Hahn. Alan Hahn talked about the Knicks tax when it comes to trades. There's a Knicks tax when it comes to rankings, all right? <laughs> and it's ESPN. Yeah, ESPN know what it is. Mention the Knicks, rate it slow, and get the clicks. It is what it is. Maybe we should take yeah. this whole discussion, clip it, and uh, tag ESPN and do the reverse ESPN for clicks, all right? Fight back, all right. <laughs> Ride that wave. Yo, salute to the chat. Everybody else is rock with the show. Shout out to Alexander, Bob Shop, uh, B Willis. Everybody else is rocking the KT show. Only other thing I want to mention real quickly is Jeremy Lin documentary hitting. HBO once again the 75th documentary on Jeremy Lin playing 10 games with the Knicks and having a magical season are you guys ready to watch HBO and Jeremy Lin I mean hey whenever it comes to reliving magical Knicks moments I will definitely rewatch. And so I'll definitely be tuning in for the HBO documentary just to see, I guess, you know, how did Jeremy Lin think about his time in New York and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it was it was a good time. It, it was a it good was. time when you, you know, I ain't going to front on that. Like, I was mad hyped when Jeremy Lin was our point guard. I was mad hyped. <laughs> I was super hyped. I was tight. I'm still tight that he we did all that. And then we go, we get to the playoffs and he didn't suit up against versus Miami. I was tight. I was tired yeah. to see the first Miami, but I, I, I digress. It, it was a magical time, man. I, it's funny. I wanted to resign him. I wanted to resign him. I did. I did. It didn't happen. Shout out to I Houston with the poison uh, pill contract. It, it was a, a sweet memory. I think it, the impact culturally for Asian Americans to have someone that looked like them, to someone that went to Ivy League, was undrafted, that bounced around summer leads, bounced around the G League got cut from teams. It was a great hero story. Um, and one of the few bright spots during that decade for the Knicks where there was a lot of darkness. But I think in terms of sustainability, I mean, his career showed what he was. It was a flash in the pan. That stretch he had at the end of that season wasn't the reality of what he was. I think it was the right situation at the right time with the right role players around him that boosted him and tapped into his best qualities 
but not re-sign him to me was the right move. That contract, he wasn't worth that contract he got in Houston, like you just uh, uh, referenced. And I think, you know, moving off from him was the right deal because at the heart of it, he's a bench role player at best. I, I feel like, like many NBA players, injuries can devastate your career and pigeonholes you to like a certain status. I've seen it a few times. Um, me personally, when I looked at Iman Shumpert, I always felt like if it wasn't for injuries, he would have been a man. But like I said, like we said, like I said on this program with Mitch, you get better in the off season. And if you're rehabbing every summer, there is no way for you to really get better, better, which is why I feel like Jeremy Lin's career was the way it was. Like, I felt like he was injured every offseason. Same thing for Shump. Um, same thing for Mitch Robinson. When he got injured last offseason, everybody's like, how come he didn't expand his game yet? Homie was injured. He was doing weightlifting. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of why I expect him to get off to a faster start this year. So I do feel like um, I do feel like if he didn't get injured like other players in the NBA, there might have been a shot. He could have been more than what he was. But um, yeah, man, he, he ended up being a role player for his career. But I mean, that was a magical season, man. I think um, Dan Tony, right point guard coach. Um, right situation maybe could have been better. It was a magical season, but it is what it is. When we went over to Houston, I still remember. Look, he looked like he was getting bullied in Houston. I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not gonna hold you. I was watching Houston, James Harden, and Lynn, and I felt like he. I felt like Harden was like bullying him on the sidelines, and the same thing happened when he went to play with L.A. So I, <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but I don't know. That's just my optics. That's all I can say. All right. All right, salute to the chat. Willie Gibson says, Knicks are KOT in the play-in? I think he's meant to say KOT are Knicks in the play-in. All right, because, no, I don't think I can make the play-in. Yeah, 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 I think he probably meant KOT are Knicks in the play-in. I yeah, because I'm not sure if, you know, Ryan G still got a jumper anymore. So, <laughs> my jump is broken right now, man. I need, I need to get back. I need lethal shooter. I need lethal shooter. You need lethal shooter for real, exactly. We need to be in the gym with Mitch practicing them, them three pointers. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, listen, we are playing. To me, we're borderline playing. We're playing team right now. That's the way I see it. The the only way. For us to not be in a playing team is we have to take a leap somewhere. We have to grow from within. And like I said before, uh, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, one of those guys got to start to hit threes. When a little guy starts to hit threes, things start to look a lot different for us. It opens up everything else. Opens up Jalen Brunson getting into the hole. Uh, and opens up driving lanes. It opens up pick and roll with Mitch. Everything opens up if some of those guys start to hit threes, if we start to hit threes, if Starline hits threes, then we are definitely in the playing. And then I feel like we're, we're, we start to threaten to be like six, fifth seed if we hit threes. If you don't hit threes, it's looking bleak. Real Memphis bleak. All right. 
Cool. All right. That is our show. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the like button, please hit the subscribe button. Shout out to the guy who said I subscribe. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Um, keep an eye on this channel. We have a guest coming. Nice guest. Nice, nice guest. So please keep your eye on this channel and subscribe. So you be here. We talk to the guest. All right. But that is our show. Ryan. Let Oops, everything switched around because y'all all, uh, because you left and came back. All right. Ryan, there you I go. Ryan. Okay. All right. <laughs> let her know where they can buy you, sir. Uh, yeah, I can find me at IG at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. S I R G is C H I L L I N. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. Um, Sir G's Corner on IG as well content's gonna come i'm still being settled in you know moving to a new city and all that so that's you know right. that's, that's on the background at the moment and um yeah that's about it all right all right shout out to my guy jason m good to see you man good to see you all right also you already know what it is lee let him know lee are you on twitter i'm not on twitter no I get you on Twitter, man. That's what Nick's Twitter. Nick's Twitter is on Twitter. It's popping. Get on. I, I, I feel I like you would eat burner. on Nick's Twitter, dog. You I writers. I wish I was a writer because writers eat on Nick's Twitter. I hate writing. Y'all see me type. Y'all see my typos and everything. I suck at it. <laughs> but writers, writers be you know you you would great on Nick's Twitter. But go ahead. Where can they find you, sir? Just had some heat drop on post and toasting about why the Knicks need to make sure they trade Randall before we trade deadline this season. And also a little piece on Jeremy Lin and Lin Sanity, that documentary coming out. Um, got some more heat coming out next week for Deadspin as well. So season's about to pop off. Looking forward to it. Absolutely, absolutely. You see, Jason is like, yo, Lee needs to get on Nick's Twitter. Listen, it's, it's different. It's it's, it's, it's it's very different. All right. All right. You already I'll know, convince- guy. What you say? Y'all convincing me. I might get on. It's imperative. And then I could tag you and stuff on the stuff. It's, 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 I mean, trust me, trust me. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, and you yeah. argue. That it's, it's fun. It's fun. All right. Yeah, it's cool. Showing it sometimes though. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. Sometimes it'll take up all your time if you're not careful. You be trying to write articles, yeah. you end up arguing with a 15 year old bot somewhere. All right, so stay clear of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So you already know what it is. Listen to us all on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. All right. Also, get these fancy KOT snapbacks. Blue and orange and black and white. Go to nickatimeshow.com. Get, get chores. Also, follow us on the KOT Show on Twitter, Nickatime Show on Instagram and Facebook. And yes, thank you for supporting the channel. We'll be back talking about. Uh, more Knicks players next time. We're talking about Ob Hartenstein, uh, and more. Randall too. Uh, I know y'all love y'all some Randall talk. Last hey, week I wasn't even trying to talk about Randall, and Randall came up, and y'all was ready to go. So be yeah. ready next week. All right. <laughs> all right. Oh yeah. All right. That is our show. All right. 
And as always, shout out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these YouTube Nick streets. All right. That is our show. We are out of here. Peace. Mm -hmm. Peace. Yeah.